morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. Today we're going to be talking with Christopher Butler, who is an HR data and analytics expert and the founder and CEO of a company called One Model. Christopher, how are you? I'm good, thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I know you're in Texas, but it doesn't sound like you're from Texas. Yeah, that's right. I'm originally Australian and moved here after uh, you know a couple acquisitions of Success Factors and SAP a few years ago, and moved to Texas when we started One Model. Let's talk about how you got here. Walk me through those those acquisitions. You started in the very first HR data and analytics company in Forum, and that was Australian. How how did that get started, and how did you end up where you are? Yeah, so I started with Inform uh, over a dozen years ago now in one of their data teams working with, with customers to bring all their data together and, and provide those workforce analytics and, and workforce planning solutions. So back then, we were, you know, we had customers all over the world. We were mostly running out of out of Australia, servicing those and doing doing some some quite good work. So it was, it was interesting. And my prior to that, I was a software engineer. So to come over and move into a, a data role was somewhat of a, a change, but it was it was something that was quite interesting. And over time, you know, doing what we did, we we got noticed by a number of companies, and ultimately was acquired by Success Factors back in 2010. And then, as you know, that you know, they got acquired by SAP not too long after that. So shortly after those acquisitions, I, I moved over to the US into the Bay Area and was running some of the, the US information services team. So, you know, we stayed there for, for a number of years working with SAP and, and how those products were integrated. But the you know, the, the longer we were there, the more we saw that how our customers were curing and what they wanted to do with their data and uh, you know, to really service a people analytics program was was not how tool sets were, were really set up to provide, and that if we could really provide much more of an open framework, really an infrastructure for how we connected to, how we understood uh, you know, the, the data that's being held in all the technologies that these organizations were using, then if we could open that up, then really we could deliver a people analytics infrastructure that not only could we provide kind of a guiding hand, but was flexible enough that a customer could really take it in any direction that they needed to. And that really became somewhat of a genesis for, for one model and, and what we set out to provide. So tell me about one model. What what exactly do you do at one? Yeah, so we, we provide our customers with a people analytics infrastructure. So what that means is that we, you know, effectively behind the scenes, we are building a large data warehouse. But in order to get that data together and, and understand it, we, we're directly connecting with the systems that, that a customer is using. So, you know, if you're a Workday customer or Actors or Taleo, you know, we're, we're connecting directly in the APIs for those systems. We're, we're extracting that data. We're doing a lot of manipulation to transform kind of that native data format that it's coming out from and re-architecting that to be, be suitable for, for analytics. So, in uh, you know, Workday's kind of snapshot view, we re-architect that so that it's in more of a transactional, you know, effective data full set of history type view that, that we can you know, more effectively run analytics and we can join external data and those together with. So that initial extraction and understanding and positioning that data, you know, our, our data models then sit on top of to provide you know, the view of how we see workday data should be constructed for an analytics program, which allows us to bring in more external data sets and connect them in at the right points in time to deliver on those. So we're we are creating kind of an intelligent data warehouse, but it's open enough that customer can really introduce any data set being built in, in, a, in a generic fashion, but with HR handling and HR data models that so we can really take any sets of data 
and provide kind of that, that core data strategy or that core architecture for HR. So that's really what we do do best at the end of the day. Is how do we manage and provide that overall HR data understanding and HR data strategy? Just out of curiosity, how many people in the world do you think understand what you just said? <laughs> Probably the ones that have tried to tried to do that themselves in the past and realize the, the, the challenges that are involved in that. They're the ones that will, will truly understand kind of the value of what we do. And that, you know, historically that's been kind of very few people. It's not until you really start to, to try and, and do more than what you're getting with those embedded systems that you're pulling data out and you're discovering what the holes are and what the challenges are in getting to that. So who does your, your, it sounds like your customer looks like somebody who really wants to implement a people analytics program and is having trouble manipulating the data that they have. And so what you provide is both structure for the data and probably, I'm guessing, structure for the output of the data. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, a customer and and not to the uh, offensive or anything, but a, a, a low maturity customer compared to a high maturity customer. I talk it in that in that fashion. You know, someone on the, the low maturity end that you know, doesn't have a lot of experience on getting there. We can basically come in and, and deliver an entire framework for how to look at this data, how to structure it, how to really start delivering all the measurement and content around a people analytics program. So that gets them off the ground without ever having to get into a, a lot of the, the, the hardcore detail of how that data should function and work. At the other end, with you know, high maturity customers that have perhaps even built a lot of their own data warehouses. What we what we do is take a lot of that maintenance uh, away. So we we find that um, huge amounts of time and resources going into actually maintaining all of those structures and that infrastructure itself that they can use us to really take that load off and uh, put their people back onto analysis type projects uh, rather than that that ongoing maintenance. So we we fit in to really provide that ongoing orchestration of data that lets them refocus their, uh, their their resources. So what what are the strong things about Inform all those many, many years ago was was that Inform came with, you know, twenty five hundred varieties of analytics you could you could hold up as a lens to the data. Do you do that same sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, we still have some very similar outcomes in that we have a, a catalogue of metrics and a, a catalogue of content pieces that we turn on. So immediately on you know, integrating some of those core systems, you have availability to those libraries that, that we can enable. One thing that we, oh, well, one of the core elements that, that we built to provide was then the flexibility on how you improve beyond that. So being able to create all of your own metrics and all of your own additional content and, uh, uh, you know, the, the immediate integration of additional sources is, uh, you know, was, was something where they fell down on was, was a very heavy process to, to build and improve and extend that solution. That's really one of the core pieces that we've, we've gone, you know, beyond that initial model that was several years ago is not, not just to provide this, the, this is the view of the world, this is how you look at things, but to, uh, you know, provide that initial guardrail and then take it in a more advanced direction. So if I were to get sort of goofy about this, you guys, if you if there's somebody out there who wants to start an analytics program and is running a full-up HR department, you guys provide sort of the Instapot, and they can come dump their data in your Instapot and saute it and then pressure it, and in five minutes out pops a risotto that you said hours and hours. To. Is that close? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they get a lot of that content out of the box and those 
those measurement pieces and can tap into our experience around how we look at and view and how other customers kind of use this data as well. So even, you know, we have customers where we're working with an HR operations, not, you know, not analytics people or core analytics groups, but the, the operations group are the, are the people that kind of use us and work with us directly. So, the, you know, you don't have to have kind of that core skill set. Interesting. So how do you use AI in all of this? Let me just be clear. I, I, I don't really think that much stuff that's out there is AI, but you must use natural language processing and machine learning to get the manipulation of the data right. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so one of the core tenets of having that central understanding and that, that solid view of that data set is to then be able to and layer on top more intelligent tools. So we actually have as, as one of the the cornerstones of what we do uh, and augmentations framework, which, uh, you know, goes about extending that data and adding to it that we didn't have before. And, you know, one of the, one of the pieces of that is our One AI uh, framework, which is an automated machine learning framework being specifically built for, for HR data. So it's, it allows us to very quickly create predictive models across, you know, the, the entire set of data that, that we have eyes across to, to be able to extend that data and fold those into those predictive models and allow the machine to go and make its own decisions around what data pieces it should be using, how it should be cleaning and constructing them, you know, and test through you know, hundreds of different machine learning models and permutations to find the most accurate fit for, for the problem at hand. Uh, and it's honestly phenomenal compared to where we were a couple of years ago to be able to, to go and create something like a, a turnover risk, you know, or attrition risk type model, point the machine at it, have it look across all of that data, and within a generally within a, a few minutes or you know a couple hours for larger organizations, return the most effective model that it can provide, and to be able to explain everything about that model as well. So that's that's really where we're focused on in terms of an AI is that automated machine learning piece to automate the decisions that normally would be a very intensive process for for a specialized data scientist to to go through and do. And it's unbelievable kind of how it works, and uh, you know putting it up against existing models, just how fast it can get to an outcome that is superior to what we've seen uh, other models build. And that, that, that has become a, a corner piece of what we do in that, that one AI program. It's the automation of those, those tools to be able to create that has created downstream outcomes of uh, you know, explaining those models and, and finding anomalies and, and kind of insights that kind of flow through the, the, the building of those models that we see as well that allow us to create uh, additional outcomes downstream from from building those. So that's that's definitely where we're, we're focused now. But it's, it's very specific for HR in terms of how we understand a number of the features and, and the problem sets that, that we target. You know, we can individually kind of uh, construct data and provide an understanding of how this data is flowing through from system to be able to more accurately, uh, you know, select features and, and build these models. So um, I'm going to ask you to dig a little bit, dig a little bit deeper there and talk about. You know, it, it seems seems to me that what you do is take sort of existing AI tech from whoever your providers are, which which I'll call open source, and you apply it to the HR problem. Where's the line? Because I, I don't imagine that you're actually developing new machine learning tools in the pure sense. You're applying existing tools to the domain. Is that? And, and how do you do that? Yeah, that's right. If you think of us more as an orchestration engine, 
you know, using all of these tools, really providing a framework for how that data flows through and how it should be constructed and tested. And that's really what we do on, on, on the larger data piece as well, is that we, we are this ongoing orchestration between all of those tool sets. So by, you know, using the existing pieces that are out there, we can, we can fold in, you know, testing of, you know, basic decision trees, you know, neural networks, so all, all those sorts of pieces that exist out there that a data scientist would use, you're right, we're not building. We're, we're not creating our own neural network, uh, you know, learning engine. We're, we're using these pieces and folding them in and having that, that flow and that understanding that can start to select and tinker with the different options that it should be building for these pieces. And that's a powerful concept for us in that we can really utilize some of the latest technologies as they come through that, you know, we built it so that we can extend and add in new classifiers and new models as, as they come to bear. And, you know, guys kind of look at, at research papers and, and build build the pieces that we see there into into the pieces that we have and, and provide that, that framework overall. Otherwise, you know, it would be certainly in the time we have impossible to kind of build from scratch. So it's, it isn't about creating a, a new learning engine. It's, it's about how do, we, how do we bring those tools to bear and, and make the most of them. So you've been working like this for... Dozen years now, you must be you must be one of the most senior players in the industry at this point. What's it been like to watch this evolution? You, you know, it was a a wisp of an idea back in the inform days, and I don't know that I don't know that it's become mainstream yet, but it's certainly that it was. What, what did we see? Uh, I mean, it was always hugely interesting. You know, even when first starting out, working with some very large companies and kind of watching their watching their data and their, their workforces grow and, or shrink, as the case was over time. I think what was, what was always the trend is it always seemed to be that, that next year was going to be the, the, the big year for, for workforce analytics, for people analytics, and it just took a very long time to materialize. That expectation was, was always there and it just couldn't come through. So I think it's been a, a slow developing domain and developed market partly because of the, the complexity and, and what's involved in getting there, but where there's much more of a, a, a critical mass now than I think there, there ever has been before. And we're seeing a, a lot more demand for, for what has come through. And particularly with the new cloud systems, uh, you know, the test actors and work days of the world that, you know, where, where cloud was supposed to make a lot of these pieces easier, in many ways it's actually made it harder to deliver on these programs. So the data is, is, is much more locked away. It's much more you know, obfuscated from what we used to have with, with an on-premise SAP or PeopleSoft type system. Oh, um, that's interesting. Why is that? Tell me a little bit more about that. So it's harder now than it used to in, in my view, it is, yeah. The, uh, the, the architectures of how those systems are built are, are not necessarily readily open to being able to get that data out and work in the fashion that you need. You know, to me, Workday is kind of the biggest example of that, where it's, uh, you know, that, that object model means that it's stored in specific ways and you have to access that data in fashion to get it out and you can't, can't build kind of a transactional model like you used to get just with a straight dump out of SAP. So you, you have to take different approaches to, to get that data out. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really one of the core reasons we exist now is to help customers do that and to, to get that data into a fashion where it actually makes sense to, to use it. And we have every individual time slice and, and provide that. And that, you know, that for us has been a, an investment of you know, well over 6,000 hours to, to be able to do. And if you, you know, ask an individual organization to go and do that, very rarely are they going to be successful in, in getting the resources or, or really having the understanding of how they need to build that. Um, oh, that's, that's so I think, it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
you know, there's there's more embedded pieces that are coming through, but the uh, you know the the embedded elements are, are kind of what we call convenience analytics. They're they're very good for delivering to to, to people that are working in those systems, you know, at, at a low level basis. But they're not, you know, they're not going to support a true uh, analytics function. You know, people that need to need to work deeper with that data. So ultimately, you, you know, each organization we work with knows that they need to get that data out and work with it separately. So you're in Austin. Everybody in Austin is in some form of business like this. How do you for development talent? I mean, this is this is HR data after all, and not the most glamorous place for a data scientist to go to work. How do you get people to come to work? I mean, the, the fact we are building something something new is attractive in itself. You know, they're, they're greenfield projects, and what the team is working on really is cutting edge uses of of tools that are out there. So it's still hard to find, uh, you know, companies that, that are, are pushing some of those envelopes in, in those ways. And our, our, our team is quite good. So just the, the, the network effect of people wanting to work with those guys is, uh, is uh, you know, helps to solve some of those recruiting challenges. That it's, uh, you know, those interesting projects are really what, what drives a, a lot of people around here. And, and having something meaty to, to work on with a definitive outcome that we see is something that's still attractive for for the right person, and uh, you know that's that's what we're looking for. We're not we don't need someone who's kind of content with the, the cafeteria and the free lunches and the table and everything else. We want people that are really interested in in, in the work they're doing. Cool. So data in large workforces comes with a whole bevy of ethics. You know, one of the ones you, you mentioned early on, sort of flight risk analysis and. And who gets the flight risk analysis and how it's controlled and what it means in the organization is one of cornucopia of ethical issues. What are the the things that you think are the important ethical issues? Yeah, I mean, for us in building those models is uh, certainly making sure or at least identifying if there is bias in, in any of the models that we provide. And, well, of course there's bias in the, model, in the models that you provide. Of course bias in the models that you provide. <laughs> To eliminate bias, you can choose bias and you can mitigate, but you can't eliminate it. You don't. You're not claiming that you can eliminate bias, are you? No. To be aware of that and to remove sensitive bias is, is really the objective. To be able to explain how the models work and, and how they're making some of those decisions that that typically has been, uh, you know, you, you can't do from black box predictive models. So, you know, we've done a lot of work on. And identifying bias and uh, really explaining the models themselves so that we can stand up to an interrogation of uh, you know how these how these tools came to those decisions so that that to me is kind of a core piece that's of really interesting. knowing how that's those interesting come together grail for, this is sort of the holy grail for this work you can explain how your uh, black boxes work yeah so we can we can point it back at those models and explain for each person why the tool made the decision it did and and what you know what the key drivers are for each individual and that's you know certainly not something you can see with with most vendors. We no, no, that's pretty amazing. Years. That's pretty amazing. So that's that's a key piece for us to make sure that we're not, you know, we're not overfitting models where they then perform terribly in real life. That we're identifying biases that uh, you know we we allow those pieces to be removed and kind of feedback and information so that you can build a model that is as minimally biased as possible. Obviously, it's still going to follow pattern, but that we can explain kind of how it's, how it's getting to that point. The next piece is somewhat out of our hands, but the, what, what is concerning is kind of improper usage of, of the results that are coming out of that. So, you know, with a, 
a turnover risk type outcome. The idea is to try and put retention programs or to mitigate that turnover itself, you know, the possibility to apply that in, in a different fashion and perhaps, you know, withhold a, a merit increase or a bonus or something because you think somebody's going to leave based on a turnover prediction. You know, they're the sorts of things I think within the HR needs to have their own ethics views of how these pieces should be used and what we should be doing with them and educate for those organizations well, I, I, that I'm, that I'm, really qu- I'm really quite anxious about, about the turnover models. You, you know, uh, one of the things we know about sexual harassment is that women who are sexually harassed in the workplace have a shorter life expectancy in the organization. They leave sooner. So if you put turnover forecasts in the hands of a serial sexual and there are more of those than we like to admit, what you do is provide targeting for that serial sexual harasser. And so, so, so I get quite concerned about that. And I, I, do you educate your customers about the potential aggressive negative uses of data? Yeah, I, I mean, to, to, to a degree that we we can, um, you know, our advice is that we should be, you know, not pushing these things out until we really understand how we're going to use them and how we're going to track, you know, actions that are taken on these results. One, because we want them to be cautious about how they actually apply those, those numbers, but two, that we're, if any actions are taken, that we're feeding them and we are feeding them back in so that models learn from them and, you know, increases accuracy overall. But that, that's kind of one of the core pieces that we'll always say is, you know, this is, this is a great set of numbers and everything else, but just watch it for a while, you know, actually, uh, you know, see how those, those will perform and, and how those, uh, you know, those people actually leave and we put some actions in place, you know, start doing those with smaller groups so that we can, you know, that they are controlling how those pieces are used. So that's, that's always our advice when, it, when we present kind of those numbers to, to these organizations. Got it. Okay. Anything else in the, in the ethics pile? Certainly around still maintaining data privacy and confidentiality, I think it's still, it's still cool. And particularly when we're, we're collecting and using, you know, additional employee data, like employee surveys and kind of that, that individual level of, of, of data feedback, just making sure that we, we can continue to use those data uh, elements so we're not, we're not losing the, the trust value of, of the, the collection of those that we're using them in a, in a correct fashion that um, we can extract all the value that, that they provide, but that we're keeping that data still, you know, confidential so it's not, not opening up. So that's, uh, to me, that as we continue to collect, you know, some of the more, and they're definitely some of the most powerful sets of data, uh, is that direct employee feedback that we are maintaining how that data is distributed and used. So is there anything that you want to be sure that somebody in the audience takes away from our conversation? Well, the, really where we, where we sit, somewhat unique, you know, for us, the, uh, how we deliver analytics and and those functions is really a byproduct of how we manage that overall HR data strategy. So when you think about kind of this larger HR data, if you look to to do this measurement, my advice is that what we'll we'll see over time is kind of a transition from just looking at at analytics to a a much broader view about how do we we manage an overall data strategy that is, you know, separate from any one HRIS vendor or any any individual technology that we're, we're using to manage workflow. You know, that's, that is what we're built around and that there are tools like us that can help you get up and running and deliver on those programs you know, in a fraction of the time to, to get there. Great. Thanks so much. Would you, would you take a moment and reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm Chris Butler, one of the founders and the CEO at OneModel. You can find us at onemodel.co, that's .co, and 
email is, is chris.butler at onemodel.co. So you can reach out to us through the, the website. We have a, a chat application there. Feel free to send us an email. We're happy to, to talk and demonstrate what we do. Well, thanks for taking the time to do this, Chris. I think you're at the at the forefront, and I've been at the forefront a thousand years. So, so keep at it. It was great. It was great catching up. Thanks, John. Have a great day. Okay. Thanks for listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Christopher Butler, who is one of the founders and CEO of One Model. And what One Model does is they take your a wretched pile of data and help you turn it into a HR analytics, analytics strategy and execution. Thanks again for doing it, Chris, and we will see you all back here next week, same time. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm.